0: We ask that hearts would be touched. We ask that lives would be changed and transformed. Father, we acknowledge that you are the Alpha and the Omega. We acknowledge that you are the beginning and the end. Lord, we come together and we acknowledge that there is no name beside the name of Jesus that should be praised. Father, your word says that when the word goes out, it shall not return void. So, Father, no matter what age or stage we may be in this morning, I pray that your word, not my words, would go forward and hit the heart of your people. In Jesus' name, everybody who believes in him said, amen. God is good. Give him praise one more time for me. Hallelujah. I preached a couple weeks ago. I'm excited to do it again. Pastor Jeff is at a conference, and we're praying for him, and we're excited for him, and all of that good stuff. So if he's watching online, we say hello. Hopefully he's not. Hopefully he's enjoying himself and not thinking about work. (laughs) I'm kind of doing a continuation of what I preached on the last time I preached. I preached on something called It's Possible, and talking about the faith you need in order to achieve the things God has called you, and that's good, excuse me, and that's easy. But this week, I want to talk a little bit more about getting to where God has called you to go. So I want to, if you have a Bible, go to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Hebrews 12, verse 1. I see some people turn and say, wait a moment. It's good sometimes to have that old-fashioned paper Bible, amen? You feel feel the weight of the glory in it. Y'all got to wake up with me. I'm on six cups of coffee ahead of you. (laughs) I got the Holy Spirit and the coffee. I'm ready to roll. It says this, therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the scorning and its shame, and he sat down, amen, at the right hand at the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We all have a destiny, amen? We all have a, that part was my part. We all have a destiny. We all have a place. We all have a ministry. We all have somewhere God's calling us to go how many people have ever felt stuck have you ever been in a stuck season been in a planted season and a season where you're sitting on the sidelines and you're saying lord where do i go what do i do what do i need to be doing ministry wise what do i need to be doing career wise what do i need to be doing financially and we all have this place in our minds that the lord has put there that that's showing us the dreams and the visions god has giving us for our future and it's right here and sometimes when you're stuck and in that stuck season those dreams can become more haunting and daunting than inspiring when you're stuck it feels like the very thing God has given you to do and he's calling you for instead of being excited about it instead of being pumped about it instead of being just like I want to do it God with everything in me we look at things and we say oh Lord I wish I could stop thinking about this. I wish I could stop thinking about this ministry you want me to start. I wish I could stop thinking about this business. I wish I could stop thinking about this, this family situation, God, because it, I just I want it out of my head, God, because I'm stuck and I'm not moving towards it. and sometimes knowing where God wants you to be and being stuck where you're at is a painful thing. Amen. Sometimes we can feel like I'll never get there. I'll never get resolution. I'll never get the answer. It'll always be this way. I'll always be hurt. I'll always be broken. I'll always be alone. I'll always be confused. I'll always be sick. But that's not the will of God for your life. And I declare that here today, amen? God wants you to know, and I'm preaching on this as the subject today, that it's time to run. It's time to run. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's time to run. You know I'm like that. I'm a little different. That's such a good title. You should look at everybody around you and give them a high five and tell them it's time to run. Go ahead, do it. Do it. Say, it's time to run. It's time to run. I know y'all are asleep still, but it's wake up time. Amen. It's time to run towards the goal. It says that you have to press forward with perseverance. We have to run to what God has. Some of us are dragging our feet. Some of us aren't moving at all. Some of us have given up. Some of us are trying to file away the dreams and the visions and the destiny God has. And the Bible's very clear on why. It says this, that the things that keep us from running are the hindrances. The hindrances. What's hindering you? What's hindering you in your life? What's stopping you from getting to where God's called you to be? I have a couple things that I think the Lord has revealed to me and that I've seen in just human thought. But you know in your mind right now what it is. Maybe it's a thought pattern. Did you know the Bible talks about something called strongholds? that's when the enemy sets up a a place in your mind and he starts operating from there and he starts this stronghold of of anger, this stronghold of you'll never be anything, this stronghold of you're not good enough, this stronghold of you're not man enough, the stronghold of you're not woman enough, the stronghold stronghold that is just always there, that thing that's gripping your dream and your mind and your heart that is telling you no and then that stronghold gets developed into thought pattern. Because here's here's something that I've learned. The devil doesn't have to do but so much work to get us messed up. Amen. You might say, "Oh, the devil's on me." The devil's on me. This is what the devil does. He says, "You're a failure," and whispers it in your ear. And he can walk right away. He might whisper it through a person. He might whisper it through a parent. He might whisper it through a spouse. Whatever it is he's whispering to you, he will say it and walk away, and then your brain will start to believe it, amen? And you'll develop this thought pattern and this process where you, you, before you even get to something, it'll say, you're not going to do it, you're going to fail, you always fail. Or you're going to get to, They're not, they don't love you, nobody's ever loved you. You're not going to get better, you'll never get better. And you get these thought patterns, and these thought patterns get in your heart, and the Bible says that out of our hearts flow life. What are these patterns that you're all getting quiet? I'm stepping on some thought pattern toes. What are these things? You say, I keep having the same fight with my spouse. He keeps doing this. She keeps doing that. That's because you have messed up thought patterns. And instead of sitting down and talking about the thought patterns and dealing with the thought patterns, you'd rather fight with another person. Because how many people know it's hard to deal with the things that are deep down inside of us? It's hard to deal with the hurt. It's hard to deal with the pain. It's hard to deal with things that we don't want to face because these thought patterns have been set up to protect us from being let down. If I always think I'm going to fail and I fail, no big deal. If I succeed, it's even, well, that's extra. If I always think that my marriage is going to fail, it's going to fail. If I always think I'm going to be confused, I'm always going to be confused. If I always think I'm going to be poor, I'm always going to be poor. We set ourselves up to not get our hopes up. And that is so the opposite of what God has for you. Amen? The other hindrance. I've done this one several times. You get connected with the wrong people. Do you know people hold you back? Do you know the Bible says that bad company corrupts good morals? Oftentimes when you're going into a bad environment, yes, you should be the light of the world. Yes, you can change things. Yes, you can shift things. But if you decide to get on the same level with some bad company, then guess what's going to happen? It's going to rub off. There are people that you are trying to drag with you into your destiny that God is trying to remove and you won't let it go. You ever felt like you just are holding on to something or someone or something and it's just, it won't, you you won't let it go. There's people that are maybe in your ministry area. They've been saying, I'm done and you're holding them. There's people in your life, they're saying, I'm done and you're holding them. You're holding these people and it's not that that they, they, don't, they don't care about you. It's not that they have this thing against you. It may appear that way, but what it really is is God is saying, it's a good thing that I remove them. It's a good thing that I separate them. It's a good thing that they're gone because what I have for you, God, I wish I had a witness in this church, because what I have for you, they can't come to. So many people aren't living their dreams because they're watering them down for somebody else, because somebody else can't take the pressure. Somebody else thinks it sounds crazy. Somebody else can't take the pain. Look at somebody say, let them go. Let them go. That not mean you have to hate them. doesn't mean you have to not talk to them ever. It just means you have to understand that your destiny can't be linked to theirs. Shame is another hindrance. If I pass this mic around the room right now, and I'm not going to, because, <laughs> come on. I love y'all, but I don't know if I trust y'all. Now get it. There's things that have happened to us, things that we've done, places that we've been. Might be something from 20, 30 years ago. And you think, if anybody knew that, they would leave me. If anybody knew, the mistakes I've made, if anybody knew what that person did to me when I was a child, if anybody knew the, the, the issue that I had, if anybody saw the addiction that nobody knows about, the shame cripples us and shackles us from running to where God has us to go. That's why it gets quiet in a church when you bring up shame, because everybody's got it everybody's struggling with something in their heart that tells them they're not good enough, they're nasty, they're bad, no one can ever love you, you can never achieve anything. But let me tell you a secret. God already knows. Amen? He knows every perversion in your heart, every addiction, every fear, every issue, every bad thing that's ever happened. God knew it before it happened, and he says, I still am choosing you. Amen. I know how messed up you are. I know how many mistakes you've made. I know how broken you are, but I'm still calling you to serve me. You are still good enough. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say you're still good enough. You're still If you don't do that, you're mean. <laughs> you're a mean neighbor. Look at this, I Say You're still good enough. You don't need to live with all this shame anymore. I believe the father can set you free today. Amen. Because the devil uses that shame to make even more mistakes. Because guess what happens when we're in great pain? Pain always seeks pleasure to to relieve itself. Pain always seeks pleasure, and it will seek it from the wrong place if you don't go to the source. What happened with Adam and Eve? Eve ate the apple. She gave it to Adam, and they, they said, oh, we're naked. We're ashamed. We better hide from God. We better run from God. And they're in the garden and they're making fig leaves and they're covering themselves. And God says one question. Who told you you were naked? Who told you to be ashamed? Who told you that? That's what I'm asking you right now. Who told you you should be ashamed? Who told you that what happened to you was just unredeemable? Who told you that what you did has made it so you can't do the things God has called you to do? You can run, but you can't hide, amen? If you make your bed in hell, the Bible says he'll be there. Don't be ashamed. <clears throat> Another hindrance that is so typical throughout the Bible is a spirit of fear. Excuse me. <clears throat> There's one thing if you have fear. There's a human fear. If a lion's attacking me, that's probably not a spirit of fear. That's freaking scary, amen? Amen. Yeah, I've come down. But, <laughs> but if you are living your life with fear over yourself all the time, over things you shouldn't be scared of, that's a spirit of fear. And understand, well, what, the, what is You're talking about a spirit of fear. What is that? If it's a spirit, that means it has a strategy. See, a spirit of fear is strategically scaring you, strategically holding. They know if this person says that, then that's going to trigger something. They know if this happens, then that's going to make me pull back. They know if I don't have this, then I'm going to, Because a spirit of fear, when a spirit of fear is in operation, it is literally playing it out on a chessboard. If you think the devil can't do things to manipulate you through fear, you're wrong. You're wrong. Some of us are crippled this morning, crippled. That's the main reason you're stuck. Scared to death to go after what God has for you. Scared to death to pursue the purpose. So what do you do? You sit on the sidelines and say, I never get to do anything. And then you start to get up and the devil will say, "Well, I wouldn't do that. And you start to get up. Well, you know what happened last time. Okay, I'm too fat to deal with all that. And that's that's some type of aerobic thing. I didn't need to do that illustration. But you see what I'm saying? When the devil is operating with that spirit of fear, you'll always be terrified. Guess what? God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power and of self-control. And some translations even say of a sound mind. A spirit of fear will mess your head up. You won't have a sound mind living in fear because we're not created to live in fear. We're created to live in victory, amen? We're created to walk in his presence and in his anointing and to not be afraid of anything because if our God is for us, no one can be against us. So the Bible says that those are hindrances. They're hindrances. The other thing that keep us from, thank you, that keep us from the the purpose of God is sinfulness. Ooh. Did you know sin is a thing? (laughs) Sometimes I think in the church, we get a little, I'm scared. Sin is a real thing. Sin's not going to hinder God from loving you. Sin's not going to hinder God from from, from touching you, from blessing you necessarily. He still loves you, but sin will definitely keep you from going where you need to go. And, And so often, the reason it's hard to talk about sin is we know that we all sin. You can say whatever you want. But you probably made a mistake this week. So what happens is we say, well, I sin. I have these these sin issues, these habits, these behaviors. Our God is very much not interested in your behavior as much as he's interested in your heart. Amen. So it's when there's these sin things that are in our heart that our behaviors flow out of. And I want to talk about them. Maybe you're not moving forward because there's some pride in your heart. There's some pride can hold you back. I'm too proud to do the things I need to do to go to where God wants me to go. I'm too proud to, to humble myself. I'm too proud to do the work. I'm too proud to ask for help. Did you know there's a partner out there for you right now? I don't know if it's romantic. I don't know if it's spiritual. There's a partner that God can align you with that as soon as you're vulnerable and you say, I need you, as soon as you say that, an anointing is going to unleash, and you're going to be able to do things that you weren't able to do all because you were able to lower yourself and say, I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. You have to humble yourself. The Bible says humble yourself. And guess what? It's a lot easier if you humble yourself because then God doesn't have to humble you. Take it from somebody that God has had to humble 800 times. I'm talking God has humbled me so many times, I give up. You ever just given up on yourself? It's a really beautiful thing. You just give up on yourself and say, Lord, whatever. I'll do what you want me to do. If I need to ask for help, I'll ask for it. If I need to go here, I'll do it. Doesn't matter this, doesn't matter that. It's your will, God. And when we can stop being prideful, because pride is, guess what it's rooted in? Selfishness. I want to do it my way. I want to have things my, I want it to go this way. I want my life to play out this way. That doesn't look the way I wanted it to look. That doesn't seem the way I wanted it to seem. Pride is inherent selfishness. So often we sit there and we say, I'm not prideful. You're not prideful? Yeah, you are. You're selfish. Is your selfishness holding you back? Because you have criteria that's different than God's. Because you have standards that are different than God's. You have plans that are different than God's. You have emotions that are different than God's. Do you know every time you're disobedient to God, you are literally standing in his face and saying, God, I think I know how to handle this better than you. I've got this, Lord. I, I think I know what needs to be done a little more than you do. You come, and we come, and we worship, and we sing. There's no other name. We sing about his reckless love. We sing about the power in the name of Jesus. But he asks you to go pray for someone in Walmart, and all of a sudden, you know better than him. You trust him to take away cancer. You trust him to heal your body. You trust him to do this and to do that, but you don't trust him with certain things in your life. You can't trust him to do a miracle for somebody else through you. You can't trust him to give you a strategy for your life, but you'll trust him. Church trust isn't real trust. If you can trust God in church, but you get outside of here and you don't know what's going on, what do you really have? You have nothing. You have an act. You're an actor. If you feel like a Christian imposter, and a lot of people do, a lot of people come to church and they say, I feel like an imposter right now. That's because your identity is off, amen? And we're not trusting in God. We're having a God complex. You're only feeling like an imposter because you're only doing what God wants in certain areas of your life. If you give everything to him and you live completely abandoned for him, guess what will happen? You won't have time to think about being an imposter anymore because all you'll be able to think about is how you belong to the Father, amen? Now you want to do the will and the business of him. We have to get rid of that pride and that selfishness. We have to stop with our manipulation. The, <coughs> the Bible is very clear that manipulation is a form of witchcraft. Manipulation says, if th- if, think of life as a chessboard, and actually, little, I'm going to do a little shameless plug. I was at Holy Spirit night on Friday, and you should come. It's awesome. But God started speaking to me, and he said, Chip, and I wrote it down. I should have brought my journal up here. If you think of life like a chess board, why are you trying to move the pieces? Only I can move the pieces. Some of us are trying to manipulate our way to what God has for us, trying to, to, to move things in place before or after we're supposed to have them, trying to move things around and manipulate the game and manipulate the board, but you are not the chess master, amen? Calm down, you are not Bobby Fisher. You, some, some of y'all don't even know who that is. but that's all right. God is the one who wants to move the pieces because you don't want something that God doesn't want for you. You might think you do. God knows what you need above all else. When you start manipulating things and doing things to get your life how you want it to be, you're going to find yourself completely destroyed, completely discouraged, completely lost. God, I, if, if God, some people are saying, you know, God is calling me to, to this job, and they know in their heart there's some easiness, uneasiness about it. Well, the money's good, but the Lord said no. But the position's good, but the Lord said no. But this is great, but the Lord said Why is there still a grappling after he says no? We try to position and manipulate and move things, and it doesn't work that way. Maybe today you can say, God, you're in charge of the board. You're in charge of the pieces. Y'all are quiet, but that's all right. You're listening. Something else we struggle with, and these things are heart sin issues. They can be easily hidden. Is anger and bitterness. Nothing will hold you back more than bitterness. The Bible says be careful when you're angry not to sin then the Bible also says be careful that a root of bitterness doesn't grow into your heart. Have you ever pulled weeds, anybody? You know some weeds come up really easy. Looks like they don't even have roots. Do you know when a weed has a root, it's a lot harder to pull up? Have you ever seen someone knock down a tree, but the root system was so big that it ripped everything up around it? That's exactly what bitterness does in your heart. The roots grow deep and they grow down and you get to a place where those, what do roots do? Roots suck nutrients from the earth and feed whatever it is that's growing. The reason you're irritated all the time, the reason you're tired all the time, the reason you hate everybody, the reason you get this attitude, the reason all this is going on, you say, well, this person did this and that. No, no, there's a root of bitterness that's in your heart and it's sucking the nutrients out of you. It's sucking the joy out. It's sucking the life out. You feel empty because there's a root of bitterness draining you. But how many people know that our God can uproot anything, amen? And he can do it without all the damage. He's a precision surgeon. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're so entangled by this bitterness, by this anger, that you can't move forward, but it's time to rip it up, amen? It's time to pull it out. You can't live like this. You can't live with bitterness, sucking every ounce of joy and love and compassion because that's who Jesus is. Because a root of bitterness will drain every ounce of who Jesus is from you. You might be saved. You might be sanctified. You might be on the way to heaven. But you might be miserable. And you might not have, you might not have the things that you need. Right now, there's people, well, you don't understand, Chip. This is what they did to me. This is what they said to me. This is how they acted towards me. This is how they, I don't care. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, what a jerk. And here's why I don't care, because God can deal with it. There's never an excuse you're going to give to God where he goes, you know what, you're right, stay bitter. Has that ever happened? There's nothing, you're you're never going to convince God, you know, you know, he's not going to be sitting there, girl, you know what? That's right, you should stay bitter. You should stay angry. He's not going to do it. There's nothing he can't uproot. So don't let that root of bitterness grow and take hold. So Chip, you've told us about these hindrances and these sins, and you're very loud and sweaty. Where are we going? (coughs) You're telling me about the actions, but what do we do? Some of us just don't have clear vision on where to go. We say, we'll deal with all that. I want to deal with it. But I don't even know what to do once I deal with it. You're telling me it's time to run, but I don't know where to run. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Amen? That's what the Bible says. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. If you're looking for the direction, you can't put it on anything else. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. Everybody say, fix your eyes on Jesus. If your eyes are fixed on Jesus and you do the things he tells you to do, and you say the things he says to say, you're not going to make a mistake. Like You're going to make a mistake, but you're not going to make a mistake like not knowing where to go, not knowing what to do. It's only when our eyes come off of him. Our eyes get caught up on circumstances, amen? We start saying, oh, well, there's no money in the bank for that dream right now. There's no, there, there's, there, there's no way this will work. There's no, there's no way. The circumstances, they just come, and, and, and then they, they wrap themselves around us, and we just say, "Uh." Oh, I don't know, and we start fixing our eyes on the problems. And then the devil will start throwing potential problems. Some of us are having anxiety and fear and missing blessings every single day and losing time every single day over problems that haven't ever even occurred, that may never even occur. Well, if you start that ministry, you're going to have to buy this. Well, if you, if you, if you go to that job, you're going to have to work these hours. If you do this, that's going to happen, and this is going to happen, and that's going to... And you spend so much time worrying about what is, is going to happen that nothing happens. And then you find yourself stalled and stuck and broken and lost and confused. Find yourself sitting at church on a Sunday morning, and worship is going on, and you feel it, and you aren't sure. Yeah, I lift my hands because it's what we do, but... Huh you don't want to live that way. God doesn't, God loves us. We're his children. You think he wants you to live that way? If you have kids, think of how much you love your kids. Would you want them to feel that way? Stop entertaining potential problems and start entertaining just potential. Amen. Say, God, there's a lot of potential here. And if you're putting it before me and I focus my eyes on you and I follow you, then the problems, they won't matter because we'll be able to handle them together. Amen. 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 So we've got to get our eyes off of that. We've got to get our eyes off of our pain. So many people are coming into church and coming into work and going to school, and they are just tore up. If you knew, I've had the privilege of being a pastor. I've had the privilege of, of counseling people. When you're a pastor, you get the privilege of sitting with people at their worst moments in life. I've sat at funerals for infants and watched a family grieve. I've done that. I've I've watched a family lose a parent. I've watched people lose everything they have. I've watched people just go through sexual and physical and mental and emotional abuse and carry that weight every single day. You would be shocked to see the pain that somebody around you may have. They may be dressed cute. They may look cute. They may look good. They may look put together. But you don't know. And they want to do so much for God. I'm going to trip eventually, and I need someone to heal me when I crack my head open on this. Amen. So I hope some of y'all, King John, you got it. Get the kingdom ministry. It can be a project. <laughs> y'all want to in-the-field example. Amen. And make sure it's on video because you know how these skeptics are. But we focus on the pain so much that we don't move forward. I'm hurting so bad, God, it takes every ounce of energy I got to get out the bed. Now this man's going to stand here and tell me it's time to run towards what you have? I can barely crawl. I can barely go to work. I can barely get dressed. But let me tell you a secret. Out of that pain, God's going to birth a ministry. Out of that pain, that was for somebody. Out of that pain, God is going to do something incredible. What you're so busy anesthetizing and medicating the pain that if you would embrace it and say, God, I have this pain, but I'm giving it to you, then you'll start to run faster than you've ever ran. And then, yeah, you can clap. That's a good thing. That's a smart thing. It's good to to acknowledge when God's speaking to you because then you're going to have people start coming to you with the same issues you had, people coming to you with the same problems, and God's going to start saying, speak to them, and you're going to say, but it hurts, and he's going to say, do it anyway. And as you begin to minister, and as you begin to receive him, and as you begin to say, I'm not focusing on the pain anymore. I'm not focusing on the injury anymore. Then you'll begin to run to your purpose. If you don't hear anything else I say, don't let the pain that someone else put you through define the rest of your life. Do not do it. You're worthy of more than that. We fix our eyes on Jesus, not the pain. We have to get our eyes off of the past. Some of us say it'll never be the way it was. Ministry will never be like it was then. Life will never be like it was then. Things will never be like it was then. That's an amazing, wonderful thing, amen? We don't serve a God of yesterday. He is the God of yesterday, but he's not operating like that. We serve a God of the future. He, we serve a God who teaches us that the latter of the house will be greater than the former. He's, God's never going to have the second act of your life when you're following him be like, well, that was a dud. Does that sound like God? No, he's not. Because when you start, stop focusing on the past and you start focusing on your purpose and on your future, then what's going to happen is you're going to start to say, you know what? Yes, things happened in the past. Yes, pain happened in the past, but like Job said, it was good that I was afflicted, amen? Because affliction produces something in us, and, and, and the things that happened in our past aren't meant to be a weight around us to carry us and drag us back. The things that happened in our past are supposed to be a platform, amen? You should be walking up on the bad things that happen. I'm going to this level because of what happened to me, I can get here. I'm going up here because of what happened to me, I can stand here. Because if you haven't been through anything, you might be a little too wild and crazy with what God gives you, amen? You might get a little cocky and start thinking, well, this is because of me. I'm just great. How great I am. Doesn't work that way. Start using the pain as a platform. Jesus will bring clarity. Colossians three two says this: Set your minds on things above, not on things, not on earthly things. Are you setting your mind on the things above, on godly things, on purpose things, on destiny things? Or is your mind just always on earthly stuff? Because that's exhausting. I'm not saying don't pay your bills. Don't be crazy. I'm not saying don't go to work. I'm not saying anything. What I'm saying is the main primary focus of your life, the main primary focus of your thoughts should be on the things of God. Seek first the kingdom. Amen? First, not during, not not after you've done this, not after this happened. No, no. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added. If you go about God's business, he'll handle your business. Your business is, he's holding the universe together. You think your little issue is something for him? He's God. He's speaking planets into existence, breathing out stars. He's God. Amen? Do you understand that? Think of what you're going through and think of how great he is. I think we've lost our sense of awe sometimes. That the God of the universe, the one who spun it all together, the one with all the power, the one with all the answers, the one with all the wisdoms, he's he's interested in your life and he's interested in partnering with you. Amen? It's time to run towards that destiny. That scripture we read, it says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the pioneer. You might think the path is unclear for you to run on, You might think there's some obstacles. You might think there's some issues. But the Bible says that Jesus went ahead of us. Amen? He's carved it out already. He already knows where you need to go. He already knows where you need to be. He's just saying, I've cleared the path. I've given the vision. I've given the dream. You've got to throw all of this stuff off, and you've got to run. Isaiah 46.10 says this, I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is to come? I say my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. You can come on back up and we can bring the lights down. What is entangling you this morning? What's hindering you? What sin is, and you can get the lights, what sin is in your heart? You don't have to leave this church this morning stuck. You don't have to leave this church this morning broken. You don't have to leave this church this morning without an answer. Would you go ahead and just, I know this is a little different, and I do things a little different, that's okay. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask John and whoever else he may have. If you, are you coming up here? Or you want to hang back there? If you need healing or a word from God, John's available, and, and I'm sure there's some other prayer team members available Maybe you just need to come to this altar and kneel down and say, God, take it. I'm laying it all down. I'm laying all of it down. It's time to run. The Bible says throw them off. We think sometimes when we're so tangled up, we have to untangle it and we have to do this to get it off of us and do that. That's not true. The Bible says we can just throw it off. So this morning I'm challenging you. Take a step of faith. Get prayer. Come kneel. Ask what God might be speaking to you.